0: Hey there, I'm Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and it's great to be able to spend these next few moments together with you. I believe that we need more than information to heal our souls, and so we begin, as we always do, by going deep within ourselves. By leaving the surface and going into our hearts. By leaving our monkey minds and descending into our souls. By looking for the place of spirit within us and in our lives and around us. By looking for that place of healing where the Good Shepherd reaches out to us to pick us up from wherever we have lost ourselves when we run away from him so let's begin with a deep breath and separate yourself from from thoughts of shame and worry and haste and blame and anxiety sink deep down into the very center of your reality that place within you that knows most deeply That you were made by love and for love visualize a favorite image of god or of jesus and it could be the image of the good shepherd settle deep into stillness and open your heart your heart calls out for healing the illusions the frightened agendas the the compensations that have kept you in a sort of prison until now are not enough. they, they, They have power over you, but they're not enough for you. Another way is possible to you for life now to live from the deepest part of yourself where you truly are God's dream. You are far more than than the survival tactics, the masks, the defenses that you have unconsciously developed to protect yourself. Until now, it may have been the only way you could survive, but this isn't true anymore. Now is a time to purify any survival mechanisms that we have been engaged in survival mechanisms that hold us and imprison us and to progressively free yourself from their control very quietly begin to center yourself with your breathing you may use a word to focus your attention like peace or let it be or yes If you wish, picture yourself in a situation that is causing you distress. Jesus comes to stand by your side. He takes your hand and or he puts his arm around you. Say these words from your heart. I have suffered enough doing what others want in order to buy their love or acceptance. I have suffered enough for not being myself. My love, my life, my dreams have been distorted and falsified. Now I can begin again from this point. I have brought everything to the light, put everything on the table. I can leave behind every idealized image of myself. I can live now from the depths of my being, because only in this way can I give and receive true love. Turn toward Jesus and away from persons or events that have caused you pain. Look into Jesus' face and see the compassion and strength in his eyes. Jesus has always known your heart's goodness. In his eyes, you were always worth loving always beautiful, and that fact has never changed. The suffering in your life can yield great treasures. It is possible to find gifts in the ashes and treasures in the flames. But don't worry about that now. Jesus himself will show you where the gold lies. You only need to hold on to him, to lean in your weakness on his power to trust in your poverty, on his bountiful love. Lay your head down on his heart and rest as a little child sleeps in his or her parents' arms. The other day, Laura shared with me her memories of her mother. Laura was one of five children. Her mother was a well-respected employee in a government office in their small hometown. Laura remembered how happy her mother was with her working environment. A personnel management specialist, she had received training in mine engineering. She had noticed that the engineers often lost a lot of time searching through volumes of regulations and laws regarding mining projects, So she studied the books herself, and very soon, individuals both in and outside her department were tapping into her expertise. Recognizing her capabilities, her boss soon began to ask her to travel to meetings in other locations. She also received many awards for initiating new ideas that benefited everyone in the department. Those were fulfilling and happy years for her. However, five years before her retirement, her boss told her he was being transferred to another state and wanted her to ask for a transfer also, which would have meant moving her entire family. It was impossible. Instead, she remained behind and trained the new boss. The arrival of this new boss brought a new chapter in her life. Though she put at his disposal all the knowledge she had gained, he repaid her generosity by using her to get himself ahead. Gradually, he began to take work away from her and assign the tasks to other employees. He criticized the work she did until she was trusted only with simple secretarial tasks. Laura's mother never understood why her new boss was so unhappy with her. And during the months in which she tried to work with him, the department became more and more unbearable for her and her coworkers. At home, she expressed her frustration in tears. Encouraged by friends and family who believed in her gifts, Laura's mom saw these voices as lights in her darkness, given to her from an all-seeing and loving God. Strengthened by prayer and an openness to combat negative influences with positive actions, Laura's mom began to take pleasure in doing even the little things she was still permitted to do. She created for herself new outlets that to others might have seemed insignificant. Arriving early in order to make coffee for her fellow workers, dividing mail and getting it ready for pickup, She still fulfilled her regular secretarial work, but now with a new purpose, and that purpose was love. Another woman, I'll call her Joanne, has also inspired me with her strength and courage in facing situations of injustice. Before I met her, Joanne was married. She had three wonderful girls, and enjoyed the good things in life. Then the domestic abuse began. Over the years, as her husband's violence against her escalated, she was caught in the typical cycle of abuse. When she finally fled with her three children, they escaped with only the clothes on their back. For three months, Joanne lived with her girls in a shelter. She had to find a job, a home, a new school for her girls. All the while she was scared and exhausted. The legal part of the divorce was ugly and corrupt, stripping her of hundreds of thousands of dollars that should legally have been hers. During one of our chats, Joanne used an image that has stuck with me. It's like I'm trying to play the game Candyland by Monopoly's rules. It just doesn't work. That is such a marvelous image, I said to Joanne. The choices you have made for your daughter's lives and safety, the way Jesus has been for you the only source of solace and strength in these years, are an image of the kingdom of God, a quote, Candyland image of sweets and gifts and joy. They may not mean a whole lot in a competitive monopoly world. But the kingdom of God that is coming about also through your choices is much more important than monopoly. It will last forever. In the end, it is the poor who have been ripped off in this world who will be first, and those who are first now will be last. Judith is a woman often lost in the shuffle of the pages of Scripture. A quiet widow devoted to prayer and an upright life, she possessed tremendous strength. To that strength, she united the, quote, littleness of one who lives in adoration of God. The Book of Judith tells of her courage and trust in God when her hometown was under siege. The general Holofernes and his army had besieged the Israelite city of Bethulia. There was no escape for the Israelites. As their families began to starve inside the city walls, they cried out to the Lord their God and demanded that their leaders surrender to Holofernes. The leaders answered the people, Courage, let us hold out for five more days, for God will have mercy on us. But if he doesn't come to help us, we shall surrender as you say. Judith, a respected and pious widow, heard about what the leaders had said. She summoned them to her and told them that their plan was not right. Who are you to put God to the test today and to set yourselves up in the place of God in human affairs? You are putting the Lord Almighty to the test. With courage, she continued. For if he does not choose to help us within these five days, he has power to protect us within any time he pleases, or even to destroy us in the presence of our enemies. In spite of everything, let us give thanks to the Lord our God who is putting us to the test as he did our ancestors. When the officials of Bethulia left her, Judith prostrated herself in prayer then dressed herself in festive attire and anointed herself with perfume. She was very beautiful and the rulers of the town were astounded. Open the gates, Judith requested, and she slipped out with her maid, walking firmly into enemy territory, though she knew not exactly what the Lord was going to accomplish through her. Taken into custody by the Assyrian patrol, Judith told them that she was fleeing the Hebrews and on her way to see Holofernes. She was immediately taken to the general's tent and remained there for three days. Each evening she went out to pray, and she ate only of the provisions she had brought with her. On the fourth day, Holofernes held a banquet for his attendants and called Judith to be part of the festivities. During the meal he was entranced by Judith's beauty. He also drank a large amount of wine. When evening came, Holofernes' attendants withdrew, leaving Judith alone in his tent. The commander was stretched out on his bed, dead drunk. Standing beside his bed, Judith prayed to the Lord for help. Then she took down the sword that hung on Holofernes' bedpost and struck him twice, cutting off his head. Quickly she put his head in a bag and went out as usual to pray. She and her maid passed through the camp and returned to Bethulia. Open, she called out. Open the gate. God is with us. All the people were astonished. They bowed down and worshipped God. The shout that came from the Israelites' town was so great that all the soldiers in the enemy encampments jumped to attention. When they went to call their commander, they discovered Holoferna's death. Overcome with fear, they did not wait for one another, but fled across the plain and through the hill country. While the rulers of Bethulia had seen death around them, Judith had told them that they needed to believe that God sought only to give them life. I can't count the number of times I have heard, God didn't do what I asked when I needed him most. I gave God enough chances. How can I trust him anymore? To make peace with ourselves, sometimes we need to make peace with God, reconciling ourselves to the fact that no matter what we see around us, God wants life for us, and God is accomplishing our good. The difference between Judith and the leaders of Bethulia is important. Bethulia's leaders and people were looking out for themselves. Judith, however, was looking at God. She understood that ultimately, the victory and glory belonged to God alone. And so she like Laura's mother and like Joanne, sought to glorify God at every moment from within every situation in which she found herself. Although Judith prayed and she stated her dependence on God, she didn't sit around helplessly awaiting the inevitable. She made herself an instrument in God's hands for the salvation of his people setting out from Bethulia across the valley and into Holofernes' camp without a detailed plan of action. In so doing, she made herself even more vulnerable than the rest of her people. She left the safety of the city walls and went alone, accompanied only by her maid, hardly a means of defense. She was a woman entering a man's world without protection, with only a prayer, a civilian among soldiers. The human tendency would be to provide for protection and backup, just in case. Judith, however, gave up whatever protection she had and walked into the hands of the Lord. Laura's mother and Joanne, in examples much closer to our own experience, did the same. They acted on the belief that God was bringing about life in their situations, no matter how dark they seemed. These women took risks, not on human, but on divine possibilities. I walk into your hands, O Lord. I walk into your hands. So let's stop here and be still. What is a situation that seems like death in your life right now? How could you be being called to have the faith of Judith, of Laura, of Joanne, in small ways or in a big way? Where do you need to believe that God is a God who wants to bring you life? If there is one thing on which we can all agree, it is this, that the world needs is soul healing. When we're loved, we thrive, it's that simple. The truth is that you can walk free of the wounds that are binding your heart and suffocating your relationships. Healing and holiness is a process, it's a journey, and you are already on it. But if you are like me, you might need some simple steps along the way. I hope you join me on my private Facebook group for weekly video conferences. Just look up my name on Facebook, Sister Catherine Herms. If you become a Patreon member, you will get immediate access to over 60 video and audio programs to help you grow in holiness, as well as exclusive content and monthly journaling pages geared to help you on your spiritual journey. So I hope to see you around by now and may you walk today amid the blessings of God.